Welcome to the Game Changer Experience Podcast. We're your hosts, Dr. Jeremy Pastor and Dr. Dave Kim. On this episode, we're going to talk about the nuances of exercises, why you do things, what you do, and how you do them matter. So come check it out. You are listening to the Game Changer Experience Podcast, where we talk about rehab, performance, and everything in between. This is where we help you navigate common questions and misconceptions in the training and rehab world. So I think there's a a very kind of gray area. There's a fine line between the differences in the professions of being a physical therapist and like a performance coach, personal trainer. And I think that the reason why that area is so gray is because that exercise had alone, like has the ability to help people move better, help people feel better and potentially positively influence the pain that they're feeling. Right. Like a lot of our, a lot of our sessions look very exercise based. And when exercise is your tool, right. Like there can be a lot of carryover between the professions, but I think that part of what gets lost in the sauce a little bit is the fact that exercises aren't necessarily magic, right? It's like the right exercise for the right person executed the right way with the right intent is very powerful in yielding a a specific intended response. But how can you kind of talk to people and get them to appreciate that, you know, there, there's so much more to understand about exercise rather than just looking at everything as kind of like a strength versus weakness issue. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody who, you know, exercises, they get introduced to the whole like strength component, you know, looking good, looking sexy for social media or like feeling good because they work out. And then, like you said, they get lost in the sauce and that's how I started out too. I, I, you know, worked out because I wanted to get bigger. I wanted to get stronger. But again, like the things that we don't really consider is, you know, how we do an exercise, right? Like how is that, how is that going to influence the outcomes we're going for? So like me getting into like bodybuilding, like long time ago, my first question was like, shoot, like I see these imbalances. I see like one side's bigger, bigger than the other. And like, I started to question, like, do I need to do more reps to, you know, make that side grow mm-hmm. equally more. But the one thing I never considered was like, you know, the idiosyncratic differences in my body, right. The asymmetries, like how I manage my center of gravity, how I hold my body in space, what and how hard am I squeezing, right? Like what, what am I recruiting to accomplish that one task? Cause as much as we want to, you know, do a bicep curl and be like, that's just a strictly a bicep exercise. It's really not <laughs> like think other things are working. And so the best way I could kind of probably explain that to somebody is just have them try and try a movement out, like whether it's a split squat or some sort of movement related activity and kind of get them to sense like, you know, the differences in how they load side to side, right? Like you're going to see like maybe one hip shifting one direction or the knee going in or like the foot caving in. And all of those things are strategies to accomplish the task, which is, you know, to perform that exercise I told them to do. But again, like we never pay attention to these things. We, we we're just so hyper-focused on, we need to get stronger. We need to, you know, just push the needle and like the more strong our muscles are like, yes, like you're going to be more resilient. And that is true to a degree, but we also have to respect like, how are we really loading our body, right? Like, how are we 
managing our center of gravity. And this goes past just doing exercises. This relates to like how we're standing. Are we standing in passive postures? Are we, how are we sitting? Are we slouching on one side? And then the moment you're doing exercises, you're utilizing the same strategy. Like we have to be aware of these things. And so me personally, I, I would get them to move themselves and kind of pick apart these things and then explain to them like, Hey, like these are the things that are driving potentially your pain or like why you're feeling that tension or, you know, things like that. So, yeah, yeah I, mean, how- I, I think that, I think that as physical therapists, right, we, we tend to get to work with people after they're already experiencing pain. Right. So it's like, we, we could work backwards and, and kind of understand and tease out like, okay, well, let's look at what your process has been that got you here. And now we can identify things that may play a role in why you're feeling the way you're feeling, right? If I were to take the complete opposite approach, right, and say someone is going to a personal trainer or a performance coach, and they're just looking for guidance and exercise, maybe they haven't had that pain experience or that injury yet, right? It's like, like, we should still care about the same things, right? And I think you touched upon it, like, real briefly, you you said something like, like, I want to ask them what they're feeling. And I think that it it comes down to asking the right questions. And it's like, how do we know that we're going to get exactly what we intend to get out of this movement? Well, first, from the professional side, we need to know what we want, right? We need to know what, what to expect. We need to understand what a specific movement pattern should actually be driving, right? And what what I mean by that is, what muscles should we feel work? What does it mean to work, right? Like what type of sensation should should I be feeling, right? How do I identify like if they're not feeling the right area? If they're not feeling the right area, what does it mean about the way that they're executing the movement, right? And we can kind of like, we can tease things out just by asking the right questions. I think it's pretty safe to assume that everyone would agree that there's no exercise that you should be feeling like a pinching pain in your joints, right? Like that's, that's, I think it's easy for, for everybody to get on, on that train a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you're going to tell me, and obviously I don't think this way in terms of isolation, but let's just say you were to tell me that you are doing an exercise for the intent on building quad strength then, okay, at the very least, show me that that exercise is getting you to get a maximal contraction of your quad, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, when you ask somebody, they're pointing to like a very small region at the very like furthest point of the quad, or they're pointing up towards their hip. And it's like, okay, so then we're not, we're not even doing this like very isolated exercise in a way that's going to get you the results that you want. So let's work backwards and better understand like what's stopping us from getting there. So I think that's, we kind of have a little bit of a cheat code in PT, right? Because we get to kind of work from the ground up, right? We get to work in a really regressed way and almost hit those foundational pieces first. And I'm not saying that necessarily coaches shouldn't, but you have to realize that there's a difference in expectation of what the person's coming in and hoping to get out of somebody too. So I, I tend to explain it as PTs kind of work from the ground up and coaches kind of work from top down, meaning like they're, they're going to use something probably more intense to start. And maybe they learn that it's inappropriate or, you know, not the right activity. So then they regress and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's perfectly, that that's the right thing to do. That's identifying that I would have rather done something else and they'll regress. Right. And at some point, right. You're going to see this intersection between the two professions to where the 
activities are going to look exactly the same. So I think that that's why there there is this gray area with not really understanding like kind of where one role ends and the other one starts. But to get back to just kind of the the importance of exercise, right? If we're moving in a way that kind of passes the eye test, meaning that we're we're stacking joints in the right way, we're executing it the way that we know that it quote unquote should look like relative to a specific goal. And we're feeling the right things. So the stuff that I alluded to before, right? Feeling the right muscles, not feeling, you know, specific joints, right? Feeling the right types of sensations. Then that tells us that we are in the right position and we're going to promote kind of, let's call it normal mechanical outcome from these activities. And that could do something to better influence why we're putting localized pressures in any particular area. Right. So that's, that's the power that the right type of exercise uh, executed the right way has. And then, right. It's just a matter of kind of putting yourself in kind of like the right environment to make sure that you're getting that level of precision. Yeah. No, I mean, like talking about this definitely remind me, reminded me of a specific case this week. Um, you know, I, had a, I have a patient who was having inside knee pain, which kind of developed out of nowhere. And we're, we just, you know, recently started and, you know, he basically was, you know, telling me whenever he's walking around, he has this like really sharp pain. He'll have like clicking here and there. He has like pain going up the stairs and all of that. And, you know, I basically brought him into the clinic and we we took a look at things and, you know, the, the clear things, you know, his, his upper body, right. It was rotating. You could clearly see like, he's like rotated over to the right. You could see that the foot's like collapsed on the, on the left side. And anytime he tried loading or walking, you, you could really just see the knee diving in. So in that certain scenario, like if, if I were to just strengthen certain muscles, it's like, we're not really, you know, changing anything there, right? Like we're, we're strengthening for the sake of strengthening, but we're not changing the strategy this person's utilizing to go up the steps or to walk. And so we tried a couple of things where like we, we worked on the foot shapes because, you know, it's collapsing. So we have to give him a foot shape where he could sense that he's a little bit more upright and he could hold himself. And then from the upper body standpoint, we had to make sure he had space on the left to rotate back there. Same thing with the hips. And all of a sudden when it went now, when he's like going up the stairs or like literally walking immediately after like two exercises, he's like, Oh my God, like I don't have that knee pain anymore. Or like, I don't feel that clicking anymore. And again, like you said, it's, it's not something magical we did. It's like, we, we looked at the person in front of us, we gave him the right input and he was able to load his, you know, whole lower extremity and upper body in a way where he quote unquote said he hasn't felt that before. And that's where I think the power is, is like people feeling this and perceiving what it feels like to manage their body through space. But if it, like I said before, like if I just said, go, you know, do quad extensions and go stretch this and stretch that with no appreciation to the upper body or like what's even happening below the knee, it's like, that's really a losing battle, right? Like, right. And now, now the, the changes that you made for him, like, let's just say your intent was to now work on his ability to produce force better or, or work on some strength component. Now he's actually in a position to load the right structures, right? It's not like we're not demonizing strength, obviously, like strength has, as, as a very important role in, in a lot of, of, let's just say like 
performance-based metrics, right, or performance-based goals, right, it has, it has a very important role. We just want to make sure that if we are going to be chasing those types of change, changes in the gym, that we're in a position to get the most out of that work. You know, I, I think that it's also looking at things in terms of appreciating the fact that there's you know, there's not one way or one specific exercise that you quote unquote have to do, right? It's like everybody has to squat because, you know, you have to sit, you know, you have to squat in order to sit into a chair and it's like, okay, but right. You're not wrong in the sense that that's a movement pattern we do throughout the day, but it's like, I can come up right now with 55 different variations of what will look like the squat pattern. It just might look different than like the one variation you've ever done in your life. Right. right. It's like when, when people think of a squat, they, they think of a, bar, a back squat, right. A barbell on the shoulders doing a back squat and that's fine, but there's a front squat, right. There's different bars. So there's a safety bar. There's a transformer bar. There's a goblet squat. So holding like a kettlebell or a dumbbell directly in front of your, your chest, right. There's a double rack, kettlebell squat right there you know you could use an aqua bag you can use a medicine ball you can manipulate the the rate of loading so you could drop something and catch it right you could do you know think of like a a crossfit like wall ball type exercise right there's a lot of different ways to do the exact same thing you can elevate your heels right you can elevate one heel you could stagger your stance you can right you could do a trx you can do a plate offset reach right like i can come up with a whole you know, an infinite number of different ways to manipulate other variables than the main movement pattern that we're talking about. The precision comes in understanding how to find which variation is appropriate for the person in front of you. Now, in certain settings, right, it's a little bit harder than others to be able to be that specific in in fairness, right? We've we've created our environment to allow us to be one-on-one. I appreciate that not everybody can be, but there's still that level of importance to choosing the right exercise for people, right? So for example, if you're if you're a PT that works with four or five different people, it's like, okay, then early in the process, make sure you you give extra attention to find out how do I choose the right variation that then somebody else is going to have to supervise? How do I choose an, a, a variation that will require the least amount of cueing on my part because I'm not going to be able to be one-on-one with that person? Maybe you're a, a, a group training group fitness trainer, I should say, right? And you're going to have 15, 20 people going through circuit training. It's like, okay, well, how about we we choose seven, eight exercises that are safe to fail experiments and not choose like the most complex variation possible that only the top 1% of the world can execute properly, right? Like a burpee on a BOSU balancing a glass of wine on their head, right? It's like, why don't we just choose something that's going to allow them to work at the intensity that we want to get them the workout we want, but again, needs the least amount of queuing because unfortunately we can't slow down the class to just work on form with that one person. That one person, if they need that level of precision might benefit from something more one-on-one, right? So it's not, again, it's not demonizing these different rehab or training approaches, but it is still up to the person who's administering it to still put your people in the best position to succeed because you appreciate that how they do things matter. What they do and how they do things matter to make sure that they leave there feeling better and driving the fitness or health-related goals that they want and not having, let's say, that exercise selection be part of the problem without trying to sound like, you know, putting like a negative spin on it. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. You got to work with the resources you have as a coach versus a PT in like a one-on-one setting versus a PT in like an insurance setting. Like there's no like one right way to do it. But if you do have the luxury of working one-on-one for the full hour with the patient, again, like you could also provide the right vari- like variation, but then they could botch it in terms of execution. So it's, you know, again, not, not just about like what you select, but it really comes down to like how you have them execute it, how they perceive themselves executing it. So that's, that's where like asking them questions, like, what do you feel? What do you feel working? Like, Mm -hmm. instead of telling them, do you feel this muscle contracting? Like, let them kind of go through the experience and, you know, sense these different things. But, but yeah, let's, let's shift gears a little bit because this is something I see very often in like social media. There's like videos of people kind of, you know, saying, let's, you know, you got to train in triplanar motion, right? You got to work in the sagittal, the frontal, and then like the transverse. And for the general public listening, sagittal is just basically the front to back sort of motion. Frontal is like side to side. Transverse is more of like a rotational movement. So where do you feel like, you know, that sort of interpretation could go wrong, right? Like in terms of execution and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I think in in principle, it's not wrong, right? Like we want to, we want to have our body move in a lot of different ways. We want to, we want to train our body to move in different directions and control forces from different directions. But I do think that there's a little bit of an oversimplified understanding of what those things mean, right? It, you know, it's like, we, we throw around words and we think anything, anything that looks like we're twisting would be considered like, let's, let's call it like authentic rotation. Right. And I think that our body has a lot of different ways of, of moving through space. So we have to have a, a slightly better understanding as to what is, what needs to happen in order for us to be able to access some of these different planes. Um, we need to be able to identify like what are common ways that the body is going to compensate, right? What are, what are ways to assess if we even have those ranges available to us, right? Because again, as PTs, we get to find that that information first, right? Like not everybody has that luxury. But then, right, like when you watch enough people move, you you can appreciate how they're going to find other ways to try to execute certain movements. So to to to, to kind of touch on your point, I see in in a good way, right? A lot of people realize that in incorporating rotational exercises is very important in most training programs. Right. But kind of like you said, it's like, they know now it's like rotation is so important. So make people rotate and it's like, okay, but kind of like we've been saying this whole time, mm-hmm. how they rotate, where they rotate from, where they have the ability to rotate from is going to influence how good they feel with it and what type of output they get from the exercise. Right. You know, if I oversimplified, if we don't have a hip that's able to get into a certain position and we ask the spine to pick up most of the slack or, or you start to see compensations at the knee and the foot, then same thing. We're just trading off one problem for the next. So this is more so kind of touching on the fact that like some of these things are higher level than we give credit to, even though it looks simple on the surface, right? So like it, it would always benefit us to kind of like regress the position and kind of teach the foundational components to reintroducing rotation and feeling certain positions before just kind of throwing this like next, like, you know, flashiest new exercise at people. And I do think that rotation tends to be one of the more, let's say like butchered movements. And I think it comes down to more so the fact that one, maybe 
choosing the wrong exercise for the wrong person is kind of the easiest way to see like kind of wonky things happen. But then two, again, like getting like a little bit of a better trained eye to understand like, what do I want to see in the hips? What do I want to see in their, in their thorax, right? Most people don't even realize that where someone's head is in space is relevant because they're so focused on the fact that they're throwing a medicine ball that they think if this ball hits the wall, then I, you know, I executed the exercise the right way. Right. It's like based off of the stance that I'm in, what's happening at my feet, how well am I controlling momentum in a lot of different ways? Like these are all things that the more trained you get are happening, you know, in an instant, right? This isn't like a a checklist that takes you 10 minutes to go through with each exercise. This is all just, you're going one by one and kind of having these certain kind of like coaching points that you're looking at and saying, is there anything that I need to intervene with? Right. But it always comes back to the same question. We said, it's like, well, what are they feeling? Right. And if, and when they're, when they're inevitably not feeling what you want them to feel, then you get to go through that list as to like, well, where, where is this energy bleeding out with the way that they're executing this movement? Right. No, absolutely. And I think that's like the beauty of the human body in the sense that like you, whatever you tell your body you want to do, like you'll do it. But the question is like, how are you going to execute it? Like your brain has a lot of options, but then when, when that starts to shrink based off of your training history, you know, what you do on a daily basis, how you stand, how you sit, how you walk, how you, whatever you do, all those things will have a, have an effect on your movement capacity. And so we, from a variability standpoint, like we have to, you know, optimize and like increase the number of options, but we also want to try to do it efficiently because otherwise, like we are going to rely on a spine when we have to, you know, when we're trying to utilize a hip or like we want, we end up, you know, making the knees a little wonky when like we can't, you know, hold on to the foot or the hip at the same time. So again, I, I think it really comes down to like moving in general is great, but it could always be done better. And from a coach's standpoint, it's like, this is collaborative in the sense of, you know, we take them from the bottom up, they come from the top down. And then from there, you know, it, it well, all looks the same at the I, end. I, I love, I love the point that you just made, right. Is that, wow. I mean, just blanking on what you just said, I was like kind of telling myself in my head, like, Hey, that's a really good point. It's a Friday. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I'm um, there too. <laughs> it's really funny. Hey, I love the point you made, but I also just forgot it. Yeah. But it, there's, there is no end game right? Like there, there, there is no kind of like, this is perfect. And this never needs to work on, right? Like I always tell people, this is a constant moving target. This is just the fact that you're exercising, right? Every time you exercise, like you can continue to refine this skill and get better over time. And then there's always going to be things that kind of pull you away from it being good on one particular day or for a period of time. Right. And you get to, you get to decide how much attention you need to give to it based off of your goal in the moment. Right. But it, it's always things that like there's always work to be done, right? There's always something more to work on. There, there is no oh great, I learned this and now it's done and now my body's just naturally going to do it. There's too many things working against us with just kind of the way society is designed now, right? From a movement yeah. standpoint, there's just there's too many things working against us to assume that we're ever going to just not have to think about this when we're going over some structured exercise. And to be honest, like I. I enjoy this type of conversation so much. And, and, you know, if this, if this is the type of talk that you are interested in, 
uh, we are actively working on building out a course to kind of dive into the nuances of these things right now. So, you know, we're going to be talking about, you know, what should we be feeling with certain exercises, both traditional exercises, maybe exercises you haven't seen before? How do we know that we're doing it the right way? How do we coach it, right? We're going to have visuals to kind of show you what certain compensations look like. And even things that don't look like, quote unquote, incorrect execution on the surface, but just explain that when something is executed this way, this is the type of response we're going to get from it. So, you know, if it, it if that's something that you're interested in, definitely stay tuned. We're gonna be we're gonna be pushing out that course before the end of the year. We will keep you guys posted when it when it is coming. And if you want more content like this, definitely make sure to subscribe and, and follow for more and come back next week when we when we post our next episode. Thank you so much for catching today's episode. If you liked it, save it, share it, and leave a five-star review. It helps us get the message out to more people just like you. We'll see you guys on the next episode.